Praise the Lord, Palace family. It's so good to uh, be here with you today on live screen. We're so excited about the message and what God's about to bring forth. We sure miss each and every one of you. And one of the things that I want you to do there in your homes, I want you to make sure that you make physical contact with your loved ones. Make sure that you hug them. Make sure that you embrace them. Make sure that you allow them to know that you, that you care for them and that you love them. Because I want to tell you, it's vitally important that we have that kind of connection. We miss that around here. And when we come back, we're going to have a great family reunion. Amen. We're looking forward to the time that we're able to gather again into one roof and magnify the Lord of glory together. But right now, just for a moment, lift up your hands right where you're at. Give the Lord glory. Give the Lord praise. Magnify his name together with me. Praise the name of the Lord. We give you glory, Father. We magnify you, your King of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah. We praise you today, God. No doubt the Holy Spirit has been moving in this building even though it be maybe empty. And I praise the Lord for this praise team who's putting their effort and giving 100% to keeping the anointing alive and keeping the move of the Holy Spirit taking place. It helps me preach even though there's no one out there to preach to in the building, yet you're there behind the screen and I'm just visualizing you in my mind and that's what gives me the passion to preach this morning. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of Mark chapter 4. And while you're turning there, we're going to do our declaration. If they can put that up on the board for us, we're going to do that in just a few minutes. But today, we're going to do the declaration because it's vitally important that we know who we are. It's vitally important that we don't forget what we are declaring because that has made such a difference within our church. Are you ready to do it with me this morning? It should be on the screen. I hope it's on your screen. Here we go. Lord, today by faith, we declare that we are walking in the manifestation season. As your faithful remnant, we will house your very presence. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and he has delivered us from all of our troubles and fears. We are no longer victims, but we are victors in Christ. We will not be deceived by the lies of the enemy, but we will give health, healing, and wholeness to the hopeless and those in despair. We will live under your anointing and see the revealed purpose of Christ in each of our lives. We declare your everlasting word on earth as it is in heaven. Now again, give the Lord praise for that. Turn with me to the book of Mark chapter 4. Verse 1 and 2, we're going to be preaching a little bit different than what I normally preach because the Lord's want me to slow down that we might get the full gist of what's taking place here this morning in, this, in the context of this chapter. Mark chapter 4, verse 1 and 2 says, And he began again to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him great multitudes, so that he entered into a ship and set out in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the, by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables, and said unto them in his doctrine. We're going to stop right there just for a moment. But due to time restraints, I'm not going to be able to read the full length of my text that I am going to be preaching out of today. So for the next few moments, keep your Bibles open to the book of Mark chapter 4 because we're going to be breaking down that chapter and see what Jesus Christ is actually saying to us. And before we get started, let me ask you some simple questions. Number one, are there times when you are confused by God? Is there 
are times that God does things that you don't understand. And is there times that sometimes God does things that makes you mad because they don't go the way that you think that they should go? Is there times that things just don't make sense in your life? Are there times when you struggle with doubt and you struggle with fear? Are there times when you have questions for God that you seem to never ever get an answer for? Sometimes those questions go on for years and years and years and you never seem to get an answer. Are there times when you feel like that you're left in the dark when it comes to those spiritual things and it seems like that you don't have any kind of insight on what God is doing and what God is saying. Well, let me assure you that Jesus has an answer for each and every one of us that has found our place in that kind of condition. In our times of confusion and questions, they will, they will, they will come to be answered as we come to understand and know God. Let's look at our text and see what God has to say and look at the reasons that we feel the way we do as it is revealed to us within these scriptures. We have been preaching about the kingdom of God and how that God wants to manifest it upon the earth. I hope you're getting that in your spirit because that's the main theme. I feel like that God is wanting to drive home. We have talked about how that there is a difference in us being born in the kingdom and the kingdom actually being born in us. And we have preached how that in the last days that God is wanting his will in heaven to actually be done right here on earth. So in the last days, that which is spiritual, we said last week, is going to be just as real and tangible to the people of God than that of the physical world. Let me say it again because I said it last week and I want to say it again this week and I want you to get this in your spirit and I want you to really believe it. Let me say it again. In the last days that we're living in right now, that which is spiritual is going to be just as real and tangible to the people of God than that of the physical world or the physical realm. In the last days, this is just how much that the people of God are going to commit and buy into and believe in the kingdom of God and operate in the kingdom of God. Some people are asking, is that even possible? I think that is not even a reality. I think that that's a fantasy of the pastor or whatever. But I'm here to tell you that you just watch because that's where the body of Christ is going. You're going to see the body of Christ come on fire like you've never seen it before. Jesus starts out in this chapter by presenting a kingdom message to the hearers. A multitude had came out to the sea in so much that he had to get in a boat and shove out to where they could see him and hear him as his water, uh, as his voice would go across the waters and preach to the masses. As we, st as we start out in our text, we see Jesus is teaching and presenting his kingdom message to the people in the form of parables. Look at that in verse 2. It says, and he taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, but yet it keeps the doctrines of Christ intact. Jesus is using the parables. Notice I did not say parable in a singular form, but I said parables in a plural form in this chapter, and he's using them to see who wants to learn more about the kingdom of God and whose hearts will be hardened and continue to turn away from him. He is coming before them and he's going to reveal to them, he's going to show them whether they're a part of the people that really want him or those that are pulling away from him. We have to understand in order to get a full comprehension of the kingdom message here, we have to recognize that it is presented to us in the form of four parables 
parables and not just one. It is important that we keep these parables together in their context and their message because that is exactly what Mark is doing. All in other passages of Scripture in the, in throughout the New Testament, you'll hear Jesus say, and a parable I speak unto you, and he'll give the parable. And then after that parable, he say, and another parable I speak unto you, but he does not do that in the context of this chapter. He goes into one parable, right into another, right into another, and when he does it, it just says, and Jesus said again. He doesn't say it is another parable. In other words, he's grouped them into one context to show you that all four of these parables have a central message to be given over to us. Mark groups these four parables together so that we'll see the central message about what Jesus is teaching us concerning the kingdom of Almighty God. I don't know about you, but I want to learn and know more about the kingdom of God than I've ever learned or known before. I want to be a person of the kingdom of God. Jesus starts out by teaching a very entry-level parable. It is known in Scripture as the parable of soils. Another people call it the parable of the sower and the seed. This parable is the cornerstone parable because it reveals that those who have good receptive hearts will be the ones to understand the mysteries of God's kingdom. I can't wait to get to that part. But it also reveals to us the pitfalls and the things that we are susceptible to that would cause us to become unfruitful. We have to pay attention to what Jesus is saying here. In this parable, the attention is not placed upon the sower and the seed as much as it is on the soil. Now we could preach a message about how important it is to sow seed. We could preach on the seed. We could preach on the sower, but the attention is placed mainly upon the condition of the soil of men. The soil represents, according to Jesus' own teaching in this parable, the condition of men's hearts. In the parable, a sower went forth to sow his seed. As he sowed his seed, some of them fell by the wayside, which represents the unfertilized, the unprepared areas, and the Bible says that the fowls of the air came and devoured that seed. Other seed fell on stony ground the Bible says, and this refers to hardened soil to where the seed could not penetrate the ground. The Bible says, and immediately it sprang up, and because it had no depth of the earth, when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And other seed fell among thorns, which represent the unkept and uncultivated areas of our lives. And the thorns grew up according to the Word of God, and it choked the seed, and it yielded no fruit. Jesus went on and he explained and he broke down and gave the interpretation to this parable to them. The wayside, he said, were those who did not stay prepared and watchful and due to their unattentiveness, Satan came and immediately stole the word out of their heart. The stony ground was those that due to no root, due to a lack of maturity, they could not endure because of the rise of afflictions and persecutions, they became offended in their spirit. And those that were sown among thorns are those that do not endure due to the thorns growing up and choking the word. And he said this was symbolic of the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering into the heart of man and choking the word and that word becomes unfruitful in their lives. Then there's the good ground. There are those that hear the word, they receive the word, they obey the word and it bringeth forth some thirtyfold, some 
60-fold and some 100-fold. That is the category that I want to be in. I do not want to be a wayside Christian. I do not want to be on stony ground. And I sure don't want to be planted among thorns. I want to be good ground. My heart, I want good soil so the Word of God can be productive and fruitful. But this parable is designed to show us the three main reasons why that we can become unfit for the kingdom of God. Matter of fact, it shows us three main things that we're susceptible to and the reasons why. The three main reasons are why that people are not fit for the kingdom of God. Number one, they're unattentive, unwatchful, they're not alert, they do not stay ready. And what did First Peter 5 and 8 say, be sober, be vigilant, be watchful because your adversary, the devil, walketh around like a roaring lion seeking who may devour. What happened to those that were unattentive? The enemy came, stole the word out of their hearts, and the enemy stole the very seed of the word of God. But this speaks of a lack of relationship, a lack of devotion, a lack of faithfulness. Now, folks, we could preach a lot of message right there. That could be the central theme of this whole context, but I can't stop there. We got to understand as children of God we have to have a relationship with our Father. We have to have a relationship with our Father just as Jesus did. We got to have moments that we pull away in a private place and have devotion with Him. We have to read the Word. We have to do the spiritual disciplines of prayer and fasting. We have to do the spiritual disciplines of worship and praise. Not just at church, but we got to have those moments at time and times when we have deep reflection upon God with ourselves in our private time with Him. But we know without a shadow of a doubt that we will not survive if we do not have a habitual time of reflection and devotion with Jesus Christ. The second thing that we're susceptible to is offense, which is caused by injustice and persecution and affliction. Offense is one of the number one killers among Christians. Offense can because bitterness, unforgiveness, vengeance, hatred. Offense can poison the soul of man. It causes hardened hearts where people carry a chip around on their shoulder. It causes a victim mentality where everything that happens is related to the offense. So everything that happens becomes somebody else's fault all the time. And we never have any kind of reflection of our own problem, our own reason for our failure. This parable is dealing with the issue of men's hearts. That's what this parable is doing. It is revealing what is inside of our hearts. And before we can know the kingdom, and before we can understand the mysteries of the kingdom, our hearts have to be right. That's why he's dealing with them in the first part of this chapter. The third reason is the cares of life, the lust of things, materialism, Worldliness, and we can preach on those things, but I know that everybody knows that they're not to get caught up in materialism. They're not to get caught up in the cares of life. That can't be their priority. That can't be their drive. That can't be their passion. That can't be what they sell out to, their careers and all of that kind of stuff. Jesus said, what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall he give in exchange for his soul? No doubt. 
we cannot get caught up in the cares of this life. But even though there's great messages in this parable alone, yet due to time, we cannot expound just on this parable or we will not get the gist of what Jesus is saying to us today in the overview of the complete chapter. Look with me at the next thing that Jesus says. He goes out of the sower of the seed where he deals with men's hearts, where he's exposing to them what's inside of them, letting them examine themselves and see whether they're on good ground or whether wayside or whether stony or whether or, or, or whether they're of a different of a bad ground. The next parable we see in verse twenty one and twenty five is this. And he said unto them, Is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed, and not to be set on a candlestick? For there's nothing hid which shall not be manifested, neither was anything kept in secret, but that it should come abroad. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. Take heed what you hear, with the what measure you meet, and it shall be measured to you, and unto you that hear shall be more given. For he that hath, to him shall it be given, and he that hath not, from him shall be taken, even that which he has. Now I know that's the old King James version and it's kind of hard to understand but let's put it in modern day language. First of all Jesus begins by asking an obvious question. Do you put a lamp under a basket or under a bed or do you put it on a candlestick so that it lightens all of the room where you sit? The obvious answer of course was well you put it upon the candlestick. You put the candle upon the lampstand, upon the candlestick so its light can shine throughout the room and give light to those that are in it. The point is nothing is concealed and nothing can remain hidden when the light shines. We all know that Jesus Christ is the light of the world who's exposing the hearts of people. This revelation came to us in the previous parable of the soils or the sower of the seed. In the parable of the sower and the seed it revealed to us what kind of hearts that different people have. Then we are to compare our lives and see what kind of soil is our heart made out of. Do we have a good heart? Are we on good ground? Are we by the wayside, which represents the lust of flesh? Are we on the stony place, which represents the pride of life, where we're stubborn and we won't forgive and we won't let go of offense and, and it's pridefulness? Or are we among thorns, among materialism, which is the lust of eyes, where we get our, uh, our minds so caught up in the materialism that we cannot see fully the things of the kingdom of God because we're occupied by this earthly goods. Now in this parable though, he is isn't revealing men's hearts, but he is revealing the mystery of the kingdom that is concealed. In the first part of the chapter, he's revealing the men's hearts. In this chapter, he is revealing the mysteries of the kingdom that is concealed, that is hidden to most people. Even though God's kingdom came to our world concealed, yet God wants to make it known to his people. Oh, I'm about to preach. He said in verse 22, for there's nothing hid which shall not be manifest, Neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad or it should be made known. Even though whatever soul your heart is, it will manifest itself and it will show its true colors. Yet that is not the gist of what Jesus is saying here. We take that scripture out of context when we interpret it that way. There are other scriptures throughout the New Testament that reveal to us that our sin will be exposed, that there's nothing hidden that shall not be revealed. Matter of fact, the Bible even says that our sin will be declared from the rooftops. Yes, that is true. But here, Jesus is telling those 
whose hearts are in good soil, that he will not hide the kingdom mysteries to them, but he will manifest them to them. He's saying, those of you that have good soil, I'm not going to hide any good thing from you. I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom where you can unlock the mysteries to where you can see in the Spirit, and the Spirit searches the deep things of God, and they're going to show them unto you as my will reveals it to you, then you will be able to understand Understand the full length and the breadth and the height of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ in the midst of the church. Can you give the Lord praise right now? When we talk of the lampstand, he's telling them that he would take those things that are concealed and that he would reveal it to his people. Remember, those who have good receptive hearts will be the ones to understand the mysteries of God. That's why that Jesus said in the book of Matthew 5 and 8, Blessed are the pure in heart. Why? They shall see God. Who's going to see God? Not when we get to heaven, but right now. Did you know that God wants to manifest his will on earth? He wants to reveal himself to us. He wants to, uh, he wants to unveil himself to the church in power and glory and strength. He wants to do that, but he can only do that to the pure in heart. Now look in Psalms 24, verse 3 through 5. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who's not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. He should, it's him that shall receive the blessings from the Lord and the righteousness from the God of his salvation. Who's the one going to receive the blessings of the Lord? Those that have pure hands, or pure hearts and clean hands, who's not sworn themselves deceitfully. Jesus is showing us who we really are by how much or how little revelation and manifestation of the kingdom of God there is in us. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 24 and 25. Take heed what you hear with what measure you meet. It shall be measured to you. And unto you that ye hear shall be given more. For he that hath, to him shall be given. He that hath not, from him it shall be taken, even that which he has. Now what is happening here? He is saying the more that you hear, the more you're going to come to understand. And the more you understand, the more you're going to receive. But he that doesn't hear or understand, it will be taken away from him. The man that does not hear is actually going to lose what little spiritual insight that he has and it will be given over to another. That's what Jesus said. So this tells us in the last days, either your spiritual blindness will increase or your spiritual understanding will increase. Listen to that. That is a prophetic word. So at the very end of the age before the rapture of the church, either our spiritual blindness will increase or our spiritual understanding will increase. I choose to have spiritual understanding. And to those that increase in understanding, they will be the ones that the mysteries of the kingdom of God will be revealed to. We see this happening right now in our church. There are people that are literally getting on fire. Even though that we're not able to gather, there is a supernatural work that has taken place. People are beginning to move in the spirit. People are beginning to send in testimonies. There are people that say, I am more closer to God than I've ever been. Fire is beginning to be put in the, in the most skeletons like Sister Candace talked about last week in the vision that God gave her. I want to tell you something is happening and I'll tell you what's happening. Those in the pure in the heart are getting visitations by God and they're receiving the revelation of God and they're rising up with the understanding of who God 
God is. And now they're not questioning him. And they're not walking around in fear. And when things don't seem to be going right, there is a solemn trust that God is on the throne and it's okay. Hallelujah. The next parable that we find is in verse 26 through 29. And he said, there he goes again, so is the kingdom of God as if a man should sow seed into the ground and should sleep, rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, and he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of it herself, first the blade, then the ear, and after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle because the harvest is come. Now notice what he's saying. Here we see Jesus speaking of sowing seed again. But this time, he is talking about those that have been enlightened to be the seed sowers. The light is to be set on a lampstand, so in like manner, the light which we have received, we are to shine it before men. As Christians, we are to be the light bearers of God. Did not Jesus say that you are the light of the world, a city that's set on a hill that cannot be hid? That's what he says about the believer. By this illustration, our Lord teaches us that he was unwilling that the mysteries of the great parable of the sower and other perils, parables should not be concealed. That those of us who have come to the understanding of the kingdom, now we should unfold them to others by sowing the seed of the word of God to them. That which freely we have received, now we are to freely give. That which God reveals to us in secret, we are to make it openly. We are to proclaim it. We are to preach it. Jesus was saying, what I have committed to you in secret, I do not want you to hold it in or conceal it, but I want you to share it. I want you to speak it. I want you to declare it. I want you to preach it. I want you to teach it. Go out and tell people about the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. That which I put in you, now by your ministry, he says, I want you to disperse the darkness of the whole world by proclaiming the word of God and sowing the seed. Then Jesus said something very interesting. Took me a while to understand what he was saying. I want you to notice the results are not up to you and I, but under the earth of how that these men will respond. We are not responsible for the results. We're only responsible for the sowing. He says, after you have sown and slept, the seed sprouts and grows, but you don't know how it sprouted. You don't know how that happened. In other words, man did nothing to cause the sprouting. All he done was just sow the seed. We cannot force results as much as we want everybody to be saved. And not only that, we cannot use some technique or gimmick to generate results. We cannot put peer pressure upon them. We can't put guilt upon people. We can't badger them. We can't sit around and manipulate them. We can't get, try to get them to feel sorry for us. All of those kinds of manipulations will not work. If anybody's going to be saved, it's when we go out and sow and be patient. Let the Word of God work because people cannot and will not ever be saved if we don't preach them the Word of God. It is the spoken word of God that brings conviction to the heart of man. You cannot see growth in plants that you visit every day, but it's only when you haven't seen them for a while that you actually see the growth. Many of you have been uh, sowing and sowing and sowing, and you've not even seen the sprouts as of yet. And a lot of times you can't see the growth because you're around those people every single day. My little grandson Jack, we've been kind of separated from him because of this virus thing. We've not seen him other than on 
um, you know, him, them FaceTiming us and different things of that nature. And I looked at him last night. I thought, my goodness, look at how that kid has grown. Mom and dad probably can't see it because they're with him every day. But because I haven't been there with him for about four or five weeks, I've seen how much he's grown. And can I tell you, don't get weary in well-doing. To those of you that are fixing to start sowing, because you shall reap if you faint not. The earth produces by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain of corn. It's a process and it's a season. It does not take, uh, it does not take uh, just a day for the seed to come to maturity. Sometimes it's seasons and sometimes it's years before that seed takes root in the heart of man. Be patient. Just keep sowing. Just keep sowing and you will see an increase. And then there's one thing for sure. We may not get everybody saved that we sow seed to, but I want to tell you, we will have a harvest. Then look at the next parable in verse 30 and 34. Whereunto shall we liken to the kingdom of God, or with what comparison shall we compare it to? As like a grain of a mustard seed, which when it was sown in the earth is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all of the herbs, shooting out great branches so that the fowls of the air lodge under the shadow of it. Now let me just show you the power of sowing seed. It seems just sowing seed is a small, insignificant thing. But look at the outcome. So many times we think we got to do something big, something great, something grand in order to have results. I'll tell you, nothing can take the place of just simply sowing a seed, sowing a thought, sowing the gospel, sowing truth into the hearts of men and women. And then that truth takes root, and it sprouts in its good time. And then you got to be patient for it to be brought to harvest. But it builds its branches bigger and wider than all of the other plants when it takes root. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And can I tell you, the Word of God will not go out void. It will accomplish that which you sent it, God sent it to do. And it was Jesus that compared the mustard seed in a different parable to the disciples when he said, when the disciples came back and said, why couldn't we cast the demon out of the little lad? Jesus said, because you have no faith. Truly, if you had faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say into this mountain, move from hence to yonder place, and it shall be done, and nothing is impossible to them that believe. Now watch what's happening. I'm bringing this to a close, believe it or not. But watch what's happening. Here's the steps. Search your heart. Clean it up. Repent. Get all of the baggage out of the way. If there's one thing I know that God is doing to the church right now, I know it without a shadow of a First of all, he's sanctifying the sanctuary. There's nobody here, and he's cleaning everything up. And then, you know what he's doing? He's cleaning the body up outside, and when they come in, they got a new start, a new beginning, to where we can start now walking and operating in the kingdom of God. He's wanting revival to take place immediately on our return. That's what God's wanting to do. God's got a plan. God's got an idea of what he wants done out of the church. And we got to take advantage of it. The first thing that you and I got to do is to search our hearts. What kind of soil are we have? Is there, we have tendencies to where we're by the wayside. Do we have tendencies that we're among the thorns? Do we have a tendency that we're planted among stones? If so, repent. Get the things out of the way. Get the weights and the sins and all the things that do hinder us out of the way. The strongholds, get them broke in the name of Jesus. And then the clean heart will have the mysteries of the kingdom revealed to it. So he says, after that you get repentant, start listening, start hearing, then start obeying the word of God. Then after hearing, start sowing and expect a harvest, but be patient. Don't expect it overnight. Then his next step is 
we start operating in something that the whole church wants to operate in, the apostolic anointing. We begin to carry what we call the mustard seed faith in us. And that does not come until the heart's right, until the mysteries are revealed, until there's obedience to the preaching of the word. And then all of a sudden, God begins to empower us to do that work that he wants done and revealed in heaven. When we start getting about the purpose of the Father, then he begins to put the apostolic anointing on us to get the job done. And now, Randy, according to the word of the Lord, after we get these three steps done, the scripture says we can say unto these mountains, be thou removed and cast into yonder place, and it shall be done. Because we are operating in now what we call the small mustard seed faith. And when I looked up that small mustard seed faith, it don't just mean to be clothed with power, but it means to be clothed in simplicity. In other words, we believe in the simple faith of God. It's like the little boy that come to his father. Someone had given him a balloon, a helium balloon in the church after a wedding and he was carrying it, and as the string was real long, and it got up to one of the lights, and the heat of the light popped it, boom, and it come tumbling down. And the little boy went and got all of the broken balloon, and he took it to his father, and he handed it to his dad and said, here, dad, fix it. That's how much he believed in his dad. Though it was impossible for that dad to fix that balloon without replacing it, yet he had the kind of confidence that his dad could take care of it. And I want to tell you, that's the kind of simple faith that we're going to be operating in here in just a little while because what God is doing is he is putting inside of us that are obeying him and those that are getting the mysteries revealed unto us. And as we step out and start obeying those things that God does, what happens is we get a faith that Abba Father can fix anything. And we have a simple faith like childlike faith operating in our lives. You know what that begins to set into motion? that the spiritual becomes just as tangible and real as the physical because we have such a childlike faith, a simple faith, operating faith. The only other things that Jesus is teaching us throughout this parable, as I was wanting to come to a close on this message, I thought, God, what is it that would really top this off? Jan Rushing sent a little clip to my wife about a move of God that's taken place in Brazil and I think it would be a good devotional time that when you are there at home to watch this video that we're going to be playing, let it touch you, let it minister to you. This is what's happening in Brazil right now. God's moving in that country over this virus thing. People, I guess, are, are, are beginning to intercede and to pray and to seek the face of God. And as you watch this video, get your family together and have a devotional time. And begin to get your heart clean. Begin to get your heart pure so that you can see the manifestations and the, and, and, and the uh, uh, secrets and, and the mysteries of God revealed in your heart by the Holy Spirit. And each day that a new mystery is revealed, start operating in faith as it's begin to be given to you. Share it with somebody. Tell them about what God is showing them, what God is doing. The fire that is inside of you, let it be communicable. Spread it, speak it, preach it, testify of it. And then you'll see that you'll begin to operate in the apostolic anointing because God will empower those that obey him and do his will and fulfill his purpose. We love you. God bless you. We'll be looking forward to preaching Easter su Sunday morning to you next week. May the Lord bless you and keep you and shine upon you. May he prosper you and may he keep you in good health till we meet again. Watch this video and have your devotions at home. God bless you.
Eu não 